0: when I started, more questions than I've answered, and I know that some of these questions may sound a little judgmental and condemning, but it's not meant to be like that. Don't throw the stones too early can, because I'm going to, yeah, uh, I will give you some uh, answers later. For example, you know, I, I wonder whether you young people think that it is alright to just change job because there is another one with a higher pay. That's all. I mean, there are no, there's no other reason except that it pays you better. Is it okay to change job? I, I want the parents to tell me, is it really all right to push your, uh, your children academically when they are actually quite smart? I mean, they, they are not falling behind. They are, they're all right, but you are still pushing them academically? Is that all right? I want to ask, if MOE says that every school is a good school, and we believe it, uh, why are the parents still sending, uh, relocating and moving house to improve the chances of their kids getting to a school of their choice because it's a branded school? I want to know, I mean, some of you are... Uh, here, Uh, you got a place in NTU or NUS, and it it enjoys a high global ranking, uh, without doubt, and then you are offered a place abroad and you will give up that coveted position in NTU and go abroad to study. Is that right? And I was I told Paul that I have a lot to say about BMW owners. (laughs) I want to know if the Japanese brand cars are so good and they're cheaper, why are you people buying BMW? And Paul said, hey, you tell me, mine's a second-hand BMW, ah. different category. Yeah. But nonetheless, BMW, uh, why, why are people going dreaming? I, I know it is a wish for many. to Get a landed property. You mean condo not good enough, man? He should be flat out going up, man. <laughs> right, right. Um, so in my two weeks of preparing all this, all, all these questions came. I, I know, I, I know that is not the direction <laughs> I should take. Yeah, the, the stones will be coming this way. I. Let's look at the word. All right, let's talk about first wealth. Uh, I know that in your bulletin, you only have the first Timothy 6, uh, six to 10, but actually, uh, I think that the Philippians passage is very good, Philippians 4, uh, 10 to 19. I think it is good for you to be reading Ecclesiastes 2, all right? So, I will be referring to all uh, verses from all these three passages. What is contentment? I just asked uh, a whole lot of questions. Uh, we will answer this in a while. Wealth. The Bible says that wealth is from God. So let's just put this, read this, and settle this in our mind. Proverbs 10, 22, the blessings of the Lord bring wealth and there is no pain that the Lord will add to it if it is from the Lord. Deuteronomy 8, 17, 18, and, you know, God told the Israelites, you are going to be wealthy because I'm going to bless you. And then you must be careful not to say this by my own ability and skills, I have gotten me this wealth, you must remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the ability to get wealth. So wealth is God. And then, uh, 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper. All respects you may prosper. You will prosper in your health. You will prosper in your business, you will prosper in the family and in relationship. In all respect, you will prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So, wealth. Wealth is from a source. That source is God. What about the enjoyment of wealth? Well, the Bible says this, and there are several, I'll just give you one. First like Timothy 6.17, and this was a Paul's message to Timothy 2, Warn the rich, command those who are rich not to put their hope on earthly wealth, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for enjoyment. So, wealth from God, enjoyment is God's idea. So, now we know we put that aside, let's talk about something else. So, you see, when I talk about contentment, all these years when I when this word comes to my mind, I've got mixed feelings. Uh, that I should be content, but I should be content. Can I how can I be content? But yeah, maybe I should be content. So you know, I I'm just maybe it was not clear in my mind what what really is it's a good word or not. You see, what we parents, new parents, are worried about is when your kids is very contented with their grades and you know they can do better and uh, so this is it I'll tell you what contentment is not I tell you that when it, it concerns your attitude towards life you know uh, there are, of course, there are areas for improvement, areas for growth. There is relationship that you want to work on. There are weaknesses you want to uh, uh, correct. Of course, you never be contented. In your relationship with, with God, never be contented. So, concerning your attitude in life, don't be too easily contented. Uh, contentment is not indifference. It is not doing the minimum. It is not being unambitious. Uh, it is not an excuse for your apathy, for your uh, laziness or carelessness. In, with regards to our attitude towards life, I want to say to you, you should grow, you should change, you better improve, you learn, challenge yourself, develop, set goals, plan, excel, do well. And I tell you, it pleases God. With regards to your relationship with God, in fact, Paul had this to say, Philippians 3.12, and I read for you, Paul said that, I do not say that I have achieved as this or have already become perfect, but I keep going on to make that life my own as Christ Jesus made me His own. So you see, There is, when it comes to maturity and progressing towards the goal of Christ-likeness, never be contented. And then we are told to be contented. So, let's define what need, in what areas we need to be contented. In your attitude towards God, learn contentment. What I mean is this, let me just tell you how it all started way back to the first parents we had. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Life was good at the beginning. Adam and Eve were given overwhelming abundance in Eden. I'm sure they felt accepted. They were significant. They were secure. Because the relationship was like this. This triangle at the top the Creator King, the source of all good things. And at the bottom, we receive from Him the created things. We are the created, we are creatures. And we are the beneficiaries of all things. And that was the way it should be. Uh, 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 this this order, the, the top and the bottom. And I think they had more than enough because everything in the garden all the green things and fruits they could eat, except for, of course, one tree. Well, you know about that, but everything. Um, they were content because God's gifts did satisfy. Then came the bad news in chapter 3. Oh, sorry. Concerning, no, uh, the the slide after, please. Okay, this one. Enter Satan's Genesis chapter 3. Satan introduced a lie to Eve. He undermined God's goodness, trustworthiness, authority, and love. Satan planted an idea in Eve's mind. And the idea was something like this. Of course, you have have almost all things, Eve, but not everything. Of course, God has given you many good things, but I'm not sure whether you have the best thing. And uh, I believe that at that time when this was whispered to her ears, Eve had no unmet needs. But she began to think that she should have more. And what is this? You look at Genesis 3.6. Uh, when the woman saw that the fruit of, fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes, and she wanted to eat it? No. She didn't need the food. She was not looking for physical provision. She didn't need the food. It was the external Seduction that was linked to the internal passion. That's why, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. This is my opportunity to advance my significance. There is something more. And I want that. And I I want to remind you that that was exactly how Lucifer felt. 3 archangel angel, Michael Gabriel Lucifer, with regards to Lucifer, he was, des- was described as the angel of light and perfect in beauty. He had no need. He was top in the food chain, I mean, in, in this angelic host, uh, being he was, he was the top tree. Perfect in beauty and in wisdom. And he started to think that, I wonder, If only, what if we felt the same way? And, you know, this this compulsion for more is in, I'll I'll tell you now, it is in all created things. Our first parent rebelled against God by loving created things more than the Creator King. And things have not changed. Uh, Next slide. I'm not moving this. Okay. Okay, from the pleasure from things to the pleasure in things. This is how it looks like. Let me illustrate this. The, the first, the Acts 20 verse is what it should be. This is the attitude of a person who got it right. Paul. Paul said that. I have not coveted anyone's silver, gold, or clothing, you know, you yourself know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and also the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, you must help the weak. Remembering the words of our Lord Jesus Himself who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, this, the gift is from Him. I receive this gift. I use this gift. I share this gift. I enjoy this gift, Pleasure from things. But Satan corrupted this from the pleasure from things. You now have pleasure in things. And, and so now you, you don't earn money to spend and use. You earn money because you love money. You just want more money. I love money and I want to keep money. And you, you fall in love with the things. And so in James, uh, uh, it is stated here, your gold and silver are corroded talking to the rich you have hoarded wealth and uh, in Romans 122 to 25 although they claim to be wise they became fools they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worship and serve created things rather than creator now i let me just say this that um Contentment is elusive because sin is pervasive. The lure for more will always be very compelling and I want to explain to you why why we are like this. It is because of our status as creatures, not creator. Creatures are finite and incomplete compared to a God who is infinite and complete. And because of that, we will always be below God. We will not always have as much as God. Never. And there is always this, uh, uh, we, are, we are vulnerable to this allure for more. We want to build our significance. And, and we think that this, this significance that we want so much can be received from another source because God is not giving us everything. So that is the reason why uh, this discontentment grow and that was how Eve and Adam fell. This was how Lucifer fell. And But, you know, right at the bottom, uh, I, this is the way God created us. God created us to find significance in Him and there is no substitute. The more we strive apart from Him, the emptier we will feel without Him. Let me just give you an example of what I mean. Let's say that we are all like botanic gardens, uh, Singapore botanic gardens. Uh, our life is supposed to be fulfilling, beautiful, flourishing in all areas. And there is only one way this botanic gardens can be satisfied, fulfilled by the rain of God, the dew and the rain and the nourishment from the soil. And God will take care of this garden. And one day we just realised that, hey. Rain water? Polluted rain water? There must be another source. What about spring water? What about the lake in the Swan Lake? The water there? And we start to look for another source and we need buckets, right? And we use our buckets to just water botanic gardens and we we stop receiving from this source and we start watering the garden. Can you imagine what the botanic gardens will look like? The more we strive apart from Him, the emptier we will feel without him, which is, ex- is exactly what so many people are feeling. We are never satisfied because we cannot feel this this botanic gardens of our life, this garden of our lives, all right? And I, when it comes to when it comes to this topic about money, wealth, and all that, you have got to learn from the experts, right? If if you want to learn about money now, you would you would pay for a Warren Buffet and you want to take notes and listen and tape and, and screen and, and pass around. Uh, but, but since this is a church, let's look at um, <laughs> let's look at the Bible character. Lah, and he will be, he has to be Solomon. When Solomon talks about money, you want to sit up and take notes. Alright, now take notes. Alright, you ask Solomon and Solomon will tell you, that he has taken care of his garden, and I tell you, his garden is not botanic gardens; his botanic gardens is Q gardens plus botanic garden plus all the great gardens of the world. He is immensely rich, incredibly, a uh, uh, resourceful and smart, and uh, he is just the top man, man, top. And he said this: Ask Port Solomon. When it comes to going to this side and getting buckets to water the garden, you say that, hey man, this this vehicle runs on a different engine and this engine drinks different petrol. It drinks the petrol, the fuel of greed. And I saw that all labour and all achievement springs from a man's envy of his neighbour. Let me just explain to you what envy is, okay? Which is very different from jealousy. Envy is a painful awareness of the advantage enjoyed by another accompanied by a desire to possess the same advantage. Envy is always thinking, always longing for what you have. But jealousy is different. Jealousy wants what he already has, right? Why should you be enjoying so much honour? And the honour is mine. So I already have honour and I'm jealous that you are also enjoying honour. But envy wants what others have, the advantage that others have for myself. So Solomon said that all labours and achievements springs from a man's envy of his neighbour. I'm talking about when on the other side. When Satan brings you to the other side, when you have to use their buckets to water your garden, it will never be enough. And the, Solomon also said, Ecclesiastes 5.10, the one who loves money will never be satisfied with money. He who loves wealth will never be satisfied with his income. Uh, he's saying that the person who loves abundance and, and w- with the kind of income that abundance can buy will never reach a point, a limit where you say, okay, enough. That's all. Never. And the last verse, listen to Solomon. He says, Ecclesiastes 5.11, the more you have, the more you spend right up to the limits of your income. Let me explain this for you and break it down for you. With a career uprise, you will receive an income uplift which will lead to a lifestyle upgrade. It will never end. This Is a reality of life. But you know, this system is managed by Satan. The world system is set in place by him. The world system is committed to making you discontented because it has a demonic agenda to trap you in the madness of more. Let me just tell you, what I mean. Now, Now, 20, 30 years ago, there was a a survey done in America to say that an average American will get about, receive about 300 advertisements a day, and they mean that you have Flip the newspaper, advertisement, where you flip advertisement, where you, then you listen to the radio, there will be advertisement, and television with advertisement, but I tell you, I think today it's probably more, because every click of the internet, on your handphone, uh, on the bus ads, and everywhere is advertisement. There could be hundreds more. And these messages convey a message that will detonate deep inside you, the object of Advertisement is to create a need, to create dissatisfaction, discontentment, to create a desire for bigger, newer, better. And eventually, after some time, when it just travels down and it it, it soaks into every part of your body, it will shape your taste, your style, your habit, your your customs, right? That is the reason why we are discontented. Now, this is uh, from one one point of view. Now, let's talk about, let's get back to the God side. That is what Satan wants to do. Let's get back to this side. We have hope because now we are in Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, He has made the connection for us with God again. Rain is falling again on our garden if we will believe it and receive it. And if we want it, we can find contentment in the king again and not in things. The new reality is this, Ephesians 3.20, now he is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine according to the power that is at work in you. This power source is incredible and is supplying us, if you would believe it, And so Timothy says this, you want to tap on it? Then I'll tell you how. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And he said it again in 1 Timothy 4.8. Godliness exercises a lot of value, but godliness has value in all things. And you'll probably be asking, what, what does godliness mean? You know, it's it's, it's like an unachievable thing. Godliness are for saints. So let me just break it down for you and I'll tell you how easy it is. Godly person, godliness. A godly person is a God-first person. A godly person is a, has developed a God-first schedule. A godly person keeps a God-first priority. This is what godliness is. And when a, when a godly person is putting God first and he thinks like that, he finds a freedom to receive whatever God assigns and he finds an easy acceptance of whatever God gives. Everything else is peripheral, extra, non-essential because he thinks God first. This is why Godliness with contentment is great gain. And so, l- let me just tell you about this man, Paul. You know, Paul is one of the greatest Christians ever lived, if you will agree with me. That's my assessment. And he said that at the end of his life, because First Timothy, uh, Timothy was written uh, towards the end, and he said that if I were to reduce life to two to the basic, if I were to draw up a list of the most basic things in life, the list would be this short. Amazing. The list has two items. Food for my sustenance, clothes for my body. How how can it be? You know, um, I think that it is possible because his perspective of what is important in life has become at that time very clear, very, very clear. Reduced to the minimum, really. Food for sustenance, clothes for nakedness is all we need. Let me just convince you why this list really is so short. Let's say that I met with an accident and I have a cognitive disability because of a brain injury. I'm in the vegetative state and I have to be looked after. What do I need? Entertainment, watches, clothes, uh, uh, entertainment or, or a, a car, a new, whatever? Of course not. What I need when I'm in the vegetative state is this. Feed me, clean me, clothe me. Let's say that I am incarcerated and I got to go to jail. And in jail, you know that you... you uh, uh, it, not everybody gets to work. It's a privilege if they give you some work. Otherwise, you will be cell, canteen, not canteen, <laughs> the place where you eat. It's not a canteen. you are serve whatever you are given. You bathe, back to the cell, out for a walk for an hour, bathe, back in the cell. What do prisoners need? The most basic needs they will give you and they'll promise you is you will have a set of clothes, a t-shirt and a short, and you'll be fat. Let's say that I'm old and frail one day and I need nursing care and you have to send me to a home. What then do I need? I will need diapers, I need to be clean and clothed, and I need food. Really, if you think about it, reduced to the barest minimum, the list is really this short. Everything else is for enjoyment, Is given, whatever God wants to give me, I take whatever I can enjoy, I accept, I thank God. But these two things, God will not deny. And I tell you that if, when the blessing comes from God, then we have the freedom to use it. So I, I, then I finally uh, talked to my brother about it, like, you know, you, you, you don't know about my brother, then I'll tell you now and speak freely because I know he won't listen to my sermon. My brother is actually a very rich man. And across the road, you will see a property next to a construction site. That is his property. It's deep. It's deep. (laughs) There is a driveway to the house, and that's his home. And then he decided that, ah, oh, nah, I think I better move to closer to the church in the Aogang. He didn't sell this. I just leave it there. He buys another one, semi-D, nearer to his Gang church. And, and he didn't, he didn't just uh, renovate and live there. He had to tear it down. And he had to build a basement and a swimming pool and three stories. What? And he has to own Lexus. He always drives Lexus. So one day I asked him, you know... Um, Lawrence, you just um, explain explain uh, to me, you know, the your views of life, possession, are you contented and all that? You know, actually I, I, I think it is like a bit excessive. And but it, you know, he, he has he has this philosophy, and I, I think I understand his mind. Ecclesiastes five nineteen. Do I have it here? Yes, Ecclesiastes five nineteen. The God first life leads to a gradual detachment to things and he says this to every man whom God has given wealth and possessions, he has given him the ability to eat from them, that means to enjoy them to receive his reward and to find enjoyment in his toy, these things are the gifts of God and I know exactly what he means very few people in his cohort are doing so well It is God given. Every time he invests, it's the right time. Every time he sells, it is the right time. Every risk he takes, it's a good risk. And you say that, oh, I'm too busy with church. Really, he from a very young age is always, always so busy with the kingdom of God. And so now that he's wealthy. He goes for long holidays and he sponsors his whole family, alright? I mean, not me, la. I mean, his family, okay? <laughs> his children, uh, in-laws, everybody. They, in fact, they are, they are going this week, alright? They are going to uh, the holiday sponsored. Everybody, uh, uh, Everybody's fare is paid for. And uh, two times a year, the family goes for holiday. You can go for a long holiday. Why? Because it's enjoyable. What? And uh, why do you, they, they go to restaurants and very expensive uh, places and sometimes... I. This one, I sometimes I get to eat, and because it is it is very pleasurable, it's nice. The food is nice. Come, come, we are this very good place to eat, and then he will give us a treat, and he will buy nice cars, I and mean, we you know, and handphones and all that, because because it's, it's 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 good, it's comfortable, it's whatever. You see, this wealth is given for his enjoyment. Do you know why God can trust him with this? because he always lived a God-first life. And so, Jesus said this to us, now that you can come to this side, the kingdom side, the king side, not the things side, the king side, seek first the king and his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you. I can trust you with these things. It won't destroy you. Money won't destroy you. Enjoy it. It's my gift. Matthew 13.5, this came as a warning. Keep yourselves free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. God has said He will never leave you or forsake you. This one came as a warning. Because when we are rich, we think that it is us. And then when we, instead of taking pleasure from things, we take pleasure in things. And then we are on this side. And then we stop. the rain will stop and we start carrying buckets. And this is very sad. Now, at this stage, I want to give you, I want to illustrate for you what it means to be living on this side where you enjoy the rain that comes from heaven. Uh, I encourage you to do this. Every time... You see an inspiring story in the newspaper. You will cut it out, and you will put it in the file. (laughs) This one is Wandering Saints of Singapore, Suik's time, Friday 6th, 4th of April, 2014. Do you know who is Tan Lai Yong? Some of you know. Let me just tell you a little bit about Tan Lai Yong. This is Tan Lai Yong the Chinese man on the left, Chinese one. Now, Tan Ah Yong um, was a government scholar. He got a PSE scholarship to study medicine. And uh, in fact, he was uh, doing well. And so he was doing his specialist training in anesthesi- uh, to be an anesthetist. But halfway through the specialist training, in 1996, he decided to stop the specialist training and then leave uh, Kun Kunming, to go to Yunnan to work, to work for a Christian NGO. Now what, what he does, or what the NGO does, is to train village doctors. These are not medically trained people, but the village select people who are willing to do this kind of work, food doctors, and uh, they will go from village to village, the impoverished village, and to carry out vaccination, to dress wounds, to diagnose common illness, to teach people about uh, hygiene. So he trained about 500 of these village uh, doctors. Uh, He started a medical NGO, a Christian NGO. He taught at the Kunming Medical College and he invited a lot of Singaporeans to go to Kunming to do free surgeries uh, in the village. And in fact, he was doing so well that the... uh, the Chinese government gave him uh, several awards. And I'll just tell you. Uh, this man was presented with numerous awards award for his work in China, including one by Chinese Premier Wen Jiabao. And in 2010, he decided to come back. You know what's the reason why he decided to come back? I'll read for you. I was treated like a VIP there. This is very dangerous for the soul. That was why he came back. I am enjoying this. I'm enjoying the king, whatever the king is. And now, I'm treated like a VIP, like the king. And I'm so dangerously close to the lie. And I'm afraid that I'll be enjoying the, the thing. I better say, I don't have any of this. I'm going back. You see how a godly man thinks God, like so, God focused And the other thing was this: when he came back to Singapore, he has of course a lot of friends and all that. And a, a member of Parliament in campaign said, "What are you doing this? Huh? How much do you need to run this clinic? Let's have an uplift, upgrade. I will raise a million for you. And then you expand the work in China." He thought about it. Oh goodness, a million dollars, a lot of money. How much do I need to run a clinic a year? 20,000 Singapore dollars. You know what is a million dollars? You know what a million dollars would do to me? I will stop learning. I will stop trusting. This is very dangerously close to the line. I'm not crossing there. No thank you. This is the work God has given to me. It will come from Him. I will do the work of God. And so, When he came back to Singapore in, uh, at the age of 53, uh, he was interviewed. At the time when he was interviewed, 2014, he has no home to his name, he has no car, and he does not have a TV set. Sounds a little bit like me, right? But i got a flat. okay. Yeah. But he has nothing. And what does he do in Singapore? Back in Singapore, he sits... In an autism, autism focused path like school, he hangs out with the migrant workers. He studies with he studies the downtrodden and the marginalized. He teaches a course in uh, Alice, uh, uh, Alice and uh, Peter Tan College, right? Um, C A P T. And the course is in hidden communities. Hidden communities meaning that uh, the the course delve into the plight of the elderly, the difficulties of the ex-convict, the living conditions of the migrant uh, workers. And one-third of the course is field trips. So he has to be really in the know and walk the streets and be involved in this kind of work. Then he can teach it, really, life to life. He's got to teach it and influence. And he will bring these people on these trips and he would regularly host uh, meals for disabled and the disadvantaged kids in the weekend. He would volunteer in health serve. And he, he said this, he said that people are able to enjoy the simplest pleasures the most if they believe that godliness with contentment is great gain. If you really believe that, you will enjoy the simplest pleasures of life the most. And so, what does he indulge in these days? He sleeps by 10 o'clock, just like me. Go for sunrise walk and devour one book a week. (laughs) These are his pleasures, his indulgences. I tell you why I'm sharing this story. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is a godly man with a God-focused, sharp God-focused mind. He is making a difference because he is doing the things that is God uniquely wired him to do well. He, he is caught by God and he is doing the work of God with wholehearted and single-minded focus. And that means, if he wants to continue doing that, that means he has to walk away from innumerable opportunities so that he can fulfill his calling. And in other words, his life has to, to be simplified. Simplified so as to eradicate any barriers that may leave him overwhelmed, overstretched, exhausted, and will compromise his, his effectiveness because he's teaching this type of course and interacting with this top type of students whom he wants to influence, right? And so, you know, I was thinking that when he came back to Singapore and he He's fifty six now and people in his cohort who are all doctors. I don't want to use the word filthy, but you know they are like almost filthy rich by now. And they must be fabulously rich and living in big houses and all that. And here we have a doctor Tan Lai Yong who has not yet purchased his flat yet, uh, because he's living in the hostels. And he's perfectly contented because he's on this side. He has received an assignment from God and the work of God and perfectly fulfilled and so effective because his garden is so well watered. He doesn't want to go too near to the other side, the other line. And in other words, I'm saying that the person who lives for God will be completely fulfilled in his calling and thereby contented with everything that comes with the calling. Now, I have a mentor, but she's dead. Her her name is Mother Teresa. I I quite, uh, yeah, I I, I admire her a lot. And so I have a few of her books. And uh, occasionally, I will just flip and just read. And I just want to be inspired by her. And so for this sermon, I did just that. One thing I don't understand about the missionaries missionaries of charity is their vow of poverty. I cannot understand this. I don't know where it is in the Bible that that People take vows of poverty. Uh, so I, I was just reading, and, and this is what she, she said The sisters, people from the missionaries of charity, the sisters are to live by begging. They depend fully on the charity of others. We must not be ashamed to beg from door to door if need be. I find it very hard to accept this. And so, what, what, what is this theology? And you said that, well, Mother Teresa drew from the example of Jesus. He said that on the cross, Christ was deprived of everything, deprived of everything. The cross itself was given to Him by Pilate. The nails and the crowns were given by the soldiers. He was naked. Christ emptied Himself, having all things, yet possessing nothing. It was not necessary for Jesus to practice this absolute poverty. Not necessary. But He chose poverty because He knew that it was a genuine means to possess God and to bring His love to the earth. I I know know this is what God does and He has to come out to earth and and this thing, but why the vow? Is this still relevant to us? And then He disclosed in another part of the book, Mother Teresa said this, Poverty is necessary because we are working with the poor. Ah, now I understand. This I understand. Poverty is necessary because we are working with the poor. When they complain about food, we can say, we ate the same. When the poor have to wash for themselves and go barefooted, we do the same. We have to go down to lift them up. And it opens the heart of the poor where we can say that we live the same as what they do. Sometimes they only have one bucket of water. The same with us. The poor have to stand in line. We do too. Our poverty is a freedom. He chose, in other words, the missionaries of charity chose freedom. Or rather, it is chosen by God for them. And our, we have the freedom not to dispose of, To throw things. We have the freedom not to throw things. We have the freedom to choose to possess. So Mother Teresa and her co-workers are contented because their lives are anchored in finding pleasure in the king rather than finding pleasure in things. And the work that God gave them to do Determines the kind of life they should lead. So you see, because it is assigned to them, they accepted this life. And they are really happy with this life. And they're very contented. Fulfilled. Because the Father is watering and fulfilling and filling them. Right Now I'll, I'll tell you a very personal story. You know, I come, uh, I, I, I come from a very big family, right? Under 11th child. So... There are six girls and five boys, and I'm the 11th. Um, when my mother gave birth to the eighth, uh, the, the Mr. fifth girl, uh, a friend of my father begged her, begged my parents, please, please, you have already seven kids, give me this one. I really want, uh, because she was barren for many years. My mother was reluctant, but finally, uh, after discussion with my dad, she said, okay, then you will have the one that I'm carrying. Rather than, uh, number six, uh, uh, no, rather than number seven, I'll give you number eight uh, that is coming. So she was uh, given away, or adopted by this family when she was about a week old. Uh, but it's, this is a very unique arrangement because they are close friends of my parents, so they, they are always in touch. So uh, this baby sister would always come home for many, many things. Chinese New Year and all that. So these are your parents. And... These are my adopted parents, and these are my parents. So she has two families. She grew up knowing this. But when she was older, she could see, she could understand, and she could feel. She felt the difference. She was adopted by a poorer family. So when she came back, she saw the television, and the refrigerator, and the four-room flat they were living, and the beds we have, and the rooms we have. In her place, it's a one-room flat, meaning... The flat is the hall, it's is, is just one room and a little kitchen. And she grew up in that environment because her father, her adopted father was a coolie. You know, and they really, in, in uh, 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 Singapore River, they, they, she, he was a coolie. And she, they were very, very poor. And she grew up resenting that. Of so many children, you have to choose me to be given up. She resented that very much. But then she got converted. And it was was a very, very long journey. Of course, she was then growing in maturity and all that. And later on in life, she understood why. She understood that it was because of her, and I tell you it is the truth, because of her that was an uplifting of that poor family. They could then own a, a decent flat and own things and were provided for. They were lifted out of poverty because of my sister's ability to make money. And later on in life, I'm still seeing that happening. Do you know that their adoptive parents are gone? So she's, she's now with us a lot more. She's still helping the brother, the, uh, the, uh, this couple adopted another son, all right? So she has an adopted brother. Uh, helping the nieces and the nephews and the sister-in-law and the brother and still helping them because they have some difficulties and helping and helping. I tell you, of all the ten siblings I have, screwing me, of course, I I know I'm nowhere near there, but the other nine besides Pauline, nobody has a heart like Pauline, a heart of gold, sacrificial, giving, patient, enduring, long-suffering, giving, giving, God chose that life for her because God knew that this assignment was for her. And finally, when she became a Christian, she accepted this as her role in this family life and realized the difference she has made. She's contented that this is also bad after all. You know, God used me. What a wonderful opportunity to be a servant of God. This is what I mean. Godliness with content. Godliness is thinking God, right? And uh, I I want to... We have time. So I want to tell you things, this thing, that godliness has to be learned. It has to be learned. And so Paul said this, I want to ask you first on the left-hand uh, column, do you think that it is possible for a Christian doing God's will to suffer lack, to be in need, in pain, in one, and be hungry? Is it possible? Entirely possible. You must never think that we will escape these things. On the right-hand side, and you're familiar with that, I've referred to this many, many times, uh, Paul said this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. I've learned. Even Paul had to learn to be content. In whatever circumstances, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned. See, again, he's saying, I have learned. But now he says, a secret. The secret of being content in any and in every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one. How did he learn? He learned through life. He learned through ministry over a very extended time of walking with God, living with God, experiencing God, and seeing God work. So, I've shown this before. (laughs) This this verse that never fails to amaze me. That contentment is learned, I think, by subtraction, not by addition. But normally, right, you you, you don't learn to be more and more contented when you have more are more and more abundant. Usually it's the reverse. When you lose your health, when you lose your, your child, when you when you lose your investment. Contentment is learned by subtraction. It is not what you can live with that matters that is an issue. It's what you can live without. And so this is a man who learned to live without. And he said that he's been imprisoned, more often loss of liberty, blocked more severely, you know, loss of uh, you know, uh, uh, even, even basic rights, exposed to death again and again. Uh, uh, five times uh, he was uh, humiliated with, with 39 lashes, bitten with rods, patted with stones, shipwrecked three times, uh, uh, spent time in open sea, constantly on the move, in dangers from river and bandits and Jews and, and his own people, from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in the country, at sea, from false believers. I've labored," he said. "I've labored, I have toiled. I have gone without sleep, I've known hunger I've, and thirst, and, and I've often gone without food. I'm cold and naked. This guy can say, "I have learned contentment in all these things. I've learned know what it is to have a lot and to know what it is to have nothing, I've learned so uh, I, I will skip this uh, uh, this one Okay, I'll just skip because I want to save time what is this secret? I have learned the secret of contentment, I tell you there are two secrets it's on the left hand column the secret is in Philippians 4.13 and in Philippians 4.19 he has learned contentment because, because he developed, having walked with God, and and experienced God day by day, moment by moment, year after year, he has learned to put confidence in God's ability. And I read for you. Philippians chapter four. He says this. Uh, I have learned the secret of being content in every and every situation, whether in living in plenty or in one. I can do everything through him who strengthens me. When he said this, he really experienced it. He knew that he really can, in spite of. And... Then he he talked about, uh, he he ended the letter with a thanksgiving. Uh, Thank you, uh, Philippines, uh, for for sending the gift through Ephratidus. I received the gift and I'm so glad that we, we could renew our contact and your love for me and all that. And then he gave the second secret of his contentment. My God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I have learned let me tell you how you can receive um, two ways that you receive provisions from God. How God provides these two ways. You can receive by a direct intervention which I would say is a miracle or you can receive by indirect providence which is God orchestrating circumstances to accomplish His purposes for your good. Be like direct intervention. God, solve it. God, I pray that the meeting will be cancelled. This will be, yeah, and, and then, you know, uh, uh, and, and the taxi will come straight away or whatever. I'm just, I'm just praying for miracle, miracle, now, direct, supernatural. It's impossible, but I want it to happen. But actually, most of the time, God's provision is by indirect providence. Let me tell you what providence is. Providence is, um, you know, uh, when you have... Sorry, didn't refer to the notes. Okay, before I uh, explain what providence is, I want to tell you what is the context, ah? of that verse before, just, just a slide before. Ah, okay. When he wrote Philippians chapter 4, now what happened was this. Ten years ago, Paul founded the church in Philippi. Ten years ago, he was jailed. Ten years ago, the Philippian jailer got converted. Ten years ago, this church started to support him. He, he said this in Philippians chapter 4, that when I... Uh, moreover, as you Philippians know, verse 15, in the early years of our acquaintance with the gospel, uh, I was sent out from Macedonia and no one church shared with me in the matter of giving or receiving. Nobody provided for Him except you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, You sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Then what happened? Silence. There was a gap where he didn't receive anything, so he, he started to be in lack and in need, and he had to work hard and to, to support himself and all that. There was a, a silence. And then finally, I don't, I don't know why, okay? I don't know why. Maybe because they couldn't find Paul, maybe because the Philippian church was also in need or whatever. But finally, at the time of writing this in Rome, there was a gift that came from Philippi again and said, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that you have, it's so good of you to share in my troubles. You have renewed your concern for me. And you know, if, if I were Paul, I would say, hey, why burn man? Ten years, no. know. Why you just stop the support like that? Don't you know what I mean? I mean, i probably grumble like that and wondering, you know, these people are so unreliable. But no, he was not. It was not like that. He said, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Not that I really want you didn't have the opportunity. The word opportunity is kairos. You didn't have the kairos. Kairos is a moment created by God and a moment that happens because God ordered it. And now the kairos happened. I thank God. It's come back to me. And I'm, what, what, I'm explaining all this because uh, when Paul wrote this, about this kairos moment, he's talking about providence that God once again He didn't provide and now He provides through you the Kairos moment and I'll just illustrate for you how providence works, how important it is for you to realize that the providence of God happens every day in so many ways. Now I've got a friend my classmate an ex-member of this church only a few of you know him because he's now worshiping in uh, New Creation Church, his name is Lai Chang. Lai Chang. Uh, uh, on Thursday morning, I received a text message from Lai Chang to say, uh, "Just to let you know, I'm going for surgery now." So I quickly responded, and it was too late already because he was being real late already. <laughs> so I was desperately, "What is happening? What would it be? You mean, you're going for surgery now?" Because a few days later on on Tuesday, he said that, uh, "Bye guys, I won't be. I'll be busy for." Uh, the next couple of weeks, holiday line, you know. He, he did talk about holiday in Myanmar. And then I'm flying SGH. So I thought maybe it's SIA, and he typed SGH. So I didn't think about it. I, I didn't think about it until Thursday morning that I'm, I'm, I'm going for a surgery. So immediately I contacted his sister, and it was too late. He wheeled in at 8 o'clock. It was not until 6.30 that he was wheeled out. And the next day I took leave. I went to the hospital to visit him, and it was early in the morning, 8 o'clock. 8 plus in the morning, and I walked past all the ICU rooms. They're all in the rooms, right? Everybody with machines and tubes and everywhere. And it was the last room, room number eight, bed eight. And I saw him. He was having a chat with the <laughs> a nurse, just a like, bit energetically chat And I, so I went in, yeah, Lai Chan, and, so yeah, and they just served breakfast. And you take your breakfast, he you just finished his breakfast, and we started to talk. Any symptoms? Nausea from the GA? Pain? He was just talking, and we talked for more than an hour. Perfectly fine. Remarkably well. And so I could then probe further. What happened? Tell me what happened. You didn't even tell me. We just had dinner together, and you didn't tell me. Uh, Two weeks ago, he said, well, actually what happened is this. I was having a problem with forgetfulness. You know, like, because he, he has tr- shuttered up in Singapore and Bangkok. And uh, in a taxi, he could not give directions in Thai to the taxi driver, like, turn, turn left now, turn... Uh, he, just, he just forgot the word, so never mind. When he came back to Singapore, he, he lost some of the English words too, like forgetfulness, so he was very worried that, oh, no, <laughs> hope it's not the early onset of dementia. So I told that do you know that I have the same problem too. <laughs> yeah. So so he said, no, no, I I, I don't know. Was just, just suddenly that night on Friday, uh, I, I just had the prompting, I why don't I just go and see a doctor, you know, and, and just chat, but I better not see a private doctor just in case it's dementia and I want I want future care to be affordable. I better go to I better go to the polyclinic. And then he called the polyclinic. Of course, the, uh, no one will reply from the polyclinic. So he, he booked online. There's such a thing as online booking, three days. all right. So you will get an appointment in three days. So he just booked online immediately. He got a call. Say, uh, Mr. Go, uh, if you want to come, you can come now. So he, well, it was only 8 plus in the morning. He changed up and got ready at breakfast. And then he went at about 9 or 9 plus. And then he sat and he waited for half an hour. Is it unusual to just wait for half an hour? Very unusual. (laughs) If you have never been to the polyclinic, you wait for hours. (laughs) But he got an appointment in half an hour. Unusual. And he went to see a particular doctor. And the doctor asked, uh, so what's wrong? I got this uh, forgetfulness problem and sometimes I forget this and all that. Did you suffer a fall? No. Is it painful anywhere? No. Do you feel nausea? No. Giddiness? Any side?" Any time, did you vomit? No, no, no. You know, if I were the doctor, you know what I'll do? I'll just prescribe some medicine with you know, vitamin C. And I'll say, you will. <laughs> All right, I think it looks like uh, you just take this. And if there's any problem, you come back to see me again. I'll probably do that, really. Because <laughs> forgetfulness, come on. This is, not a, this is not a sickness. But no, the doctor thought about it and said that. No, I, I think I'll just give you a referral. right? I'll, I'll j- you just go to a and E S G H SGH and... Uh, you, you, you just go. So he went. And he went to SGH. You know, there are, there are real medical emergencies in SGH, and E, you know? You know sometimes when there's non-medical emergencies, how long you have to wait? You gotta wait, lah. I tell you, you gotta wait. But he was attended to also in about half an hour. And the doctors, of course, were asked the same question. What's wrong with you? You just suffer a fall. Any nausea? Bidiness? Sign. Sigh? Pain? No, 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 no. You know what the SGH, A and E doctors will normally do? It's probably nothing. Right? It's possible. It's very po- entirely possible. They said, alright, okay, we'll order a scan. They ordered a scan for a non-emergency case. When the scan result came out, the doctor told him, we have to admit you now. Because there was a tumor here that is 6 cm, it's very large. If, you, if he doesn't attend to he could suffer a stroke anytime, you, got, you cannot go back now. You will stay right here. He begged them to let him go, sign a discharge uh, letter so that he can attend to his business and do housework and attend to fix appointment, give instructions, and then he crawled back to, to SGH on Monday. Where, and he didn't understand the gravity of the matter, of course, until the doctors did all the tests and explained to him. Then he understood, oh, it's so serious. And, and so on Wednesday... Uh, He informed the sisters, and the family came to know about it for the first time on Wednesday, and on Thursday, I was informed. Now, let me just tell you why I tell this long, long story. This is a story about providence. How does God provide? Indirect providence. That one day, he would feel troubled, and not dismiss it that, uh, forgetfulness at our age, it happens, and then to have the prompting to call, to go online. And it just happened to be the day when somebody was so diligent to attend to the email and reply, and because it was not a very busy day. And he will go, and then of all the doctors, there will be this particular doctor who will attend to him, and this doctor would ask all the questions and not dismiss him and make the decision, a judgment call that, I maybe you should just go for this uh, A&E appointment. When he goes there, he has to meet another doctor that has to be the right doctor to ask the right question and make the right judgment call to go for the scan. I tell you, this is providence. Providence is harder because God has to arrange a thousand pieces of circumstances to arrange and orchestrate it in such a way that it works so that you're provided. Providence of God. You will not believe in the providence of God and you will cross the red line to the other side if you have no confidence in the ability of God and you have no confidence in the sovereignty of God. You will not. That's why godliness, without godliness, there will be no contentment. There is no such thing as contentment without godliness and you have to learn it. You have to learn contentment by growing in godliness, to think God's thoughts, to be godlike, to be so God-focused, to just please God, to be content where you are even if everybody is doing so well. But this is really what God wants me to do. And if this calling requires me to live like this, I will. With lack, it's okay. And if this calling requires me to be like President Halima, I tell you, please live in this stana because that is your calling. (laughs) It's okay. It's it's perfectly all right because that is your calling in life. You are meeting dignitaries. You will dress well. You will represent. I think that this is her calling. And if I were uh, ministering not to... Uh, in the village, in the poor country, if I were to be ministering to professionals and CEOs and ministers and all that, I will make sure that it shows in the sharpness of my dressing, the way I carry myself, because that's the way to earn respect. And if that's my way to reach them, I will upgrade. I will. But my brother told me there was once uh, my brother goes to the mission fields a lot and in this particular mission field, uh, there was a Singaporean couple who was stationed there in the mission field. He said that that house is really beautiful. Nicer than the Singapore house. But like Singapore houses, lah, in terms of the furnishing, the decor, painting, books, cutleries and everything is beautiful. Too nice. Because of the place the missionaries were ministering, he says that it cannot be effective because unlike Mother Teresa who knows, I have to take the vow of poverty because I'm ministering to the poor. I have to do this at this level so that I can be effective in my ministry to these people. If God calls me to this, I will be contented with this. Now, this is really my message on, on contentment. I know it, uh, with an hour more, I will, I will be more relevant, right? I'll talk about what you, what you students face and all that, but I don't have another hour and you can be at peace. But I will summarize it this way. Godliness with contentment is game. Godliness means staying on this side. To have confidence in the ability of God. To have confidence in the sovereignty of God. To receive everything that comes with your calling and your assignment. And you stay there. And I tell you, you will be a well-watered garden. Flourishing in the house of God. And I, I know that uh, I, I, I want to sing a very old song. Not your era, but it's excellent. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and I think the musicians are ready. This song is full of theology. Let's rise and I will close you in uh, prayer afterwards. Writer of Proverbs is so wise to say this and to write it out for us. Two things I ask of you, Lord: do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty or riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, "Who is the Lord?" Or I may become poor and steal dishonor the name of my God. Thank you, Father, for, for your love for us. And in your love, you know exactly what we need now and how much we should receive now. Thank you, Father, for not giving us everything because you are so protective of us. We know, Father, that all of us are uniquely wired to do something well, and we want to know what is this call? What is this life? What is this work? What is this assignment? We are pre-packed for this life. I pray, Father, that you will show us how to unpack our bags and to live with wholehearted and single-minded focus. Father, eliminate all the barriers in this life and help us, Father, to, uh, not to be so easily seduced by God, by by the devil and and what comes through uh, his system. Oh God, thank you, Father, that we today can be reminded again of your inexhaustible power and supply. You are worthy of our trust. You are worthy of our love. And if contentment is having a confidence in your ability and in your sovereignty, we want to learn contentment. We want to know you more fully and to enjoy you more fully and more completely. God, thank you, Father. We know, Lord, that uh, 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 God, you are going to walk with us and the things that we hear today, I know there's a lot and, and may be forgotten. But God, I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to be our teacher, instructor, and you will continue to bring these lessons to us all through our lives. God, we need you God, we thank you. Thank you, our King. Thank you, Father, for giving us so many things. But God, we worship you. God, only to you we pledge our allegiance. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. That's all for today.